You know, when you are encountered by the love of Jesus, you're compelled to share the love of Jesus with those around you. There was a young girl, we will call her Melissa, whom my wife invested in and who was radically changed by Jesus. She got married in her early 20s and she continued to walk faithfully with the Lord, but her older sister made a lot of bad choices and was no longer able to care for her children. DHR was called to step in and remove her teenage children from her home until Melissa and her husband decided to step up and to invite them into their home. They loved and cared for this boy and this girl who was their niece and their nephew, and they treated him as if they were their very own children. Well, after years of raising them, Melissa and her husband prayed about a more permanent situation. And they, by God's grace, were able to take full responsibility and take full custody to make these niece and nephews their own. You see, Melissa and her husband, they had become a type of family redeemers, which is what we see taking place in Ruth chapter two. Let me show you. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ruth chapter two. We're in the middle of a sermon series uh, as a faith family through the book of Ruth that's entitled Sweet Providence. And as a faith family, we're walking through this short book that is rich with truth about our God and how he works in the world and how he relates with us through his son. Last week we saw in chapter one how suffering came upon Naomi as she fled Bethlehem for her life. As her and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, Malan and Kilian, they go out of Bethlehem and they go to Moab in order to survive. Well, tragedy strikes this family as Elimelech, her husband, dies, and then Malan and Killian die, and now Naomi is left with just her two daughters-in-law. One daughter-in-law leaves, walks away, and one stays. The daughter-in-law who stayed, her name was Ruth. And what we saw in the text is that God is sovereign over all circumstances, and even when suffering comes, we are to hope in Christ. Chapter one ends with Naomi and Ruth returning to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Look with me at chapter two, beginning with verse one. It says, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. His name was Boaz. Now here, the narrator is giving background context to the reader. Verse one is setting up the stage for the meat cute that's about to take place. Now, a meet-cute is a, a scene, it's a contemporary term that we use in movies in which a, a man and a woman meet and they lead to a love story. So they're both in, in going in the grocery store and they bump carts to meet cute. Or the woman is on a ladder and she just so happens to fall off the ladder and the man just so happens to be there to catch her. Or a girl has her, her, her high heel stuck in a grate in the middle of a road and the man jumps and saves her life right before a car comes to get her. It's a meet cute. 
What we're about to see here in the text between, between Boaz and between Ruth is a meet cute. So notice how it begins. Verse two, Ruth takes initiative to go work in the fields to gather grain that's fallen behind the harvesters. Verse two, Ruth the Moabitess asked Naomi, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor. Now, gathering grain behind harvesters was God's kindness to the poor people in Israel. In fact, God commanded his people in Deuteronomy 24 that when you are harvesting in your fields and you overlook a bundle, do do not go back and get it. You leave it for the foreigner. You leave it for the fatherless. You leave it for the widow. In fact, Leviticus 19 commands Israel to leave an edge around the harvest so that the poor and the sojourner would be free to eat from the harvest. You see, there's value in leaving an edge for the good of others. You as a family, you can leave an edge. One of the ways that Christy and I do this is in our budget, we have a line item entitled benevolence. It's money that we set aside every month to give to the poor. When we see some sort of situation arise so that we can be a part of helping, those are resources we set aside to leave an edge to help those who are in need. Now, this is separate from our tithes and offerings, but it's a way that we as believers, we can leave an edge financially so that we can be a blessing, just as we see happening right here in Ruth chapter 2. Well, Ruth is out in the fields hoping to pick up any leftover grain behind the harvesters. And then notice the sweet providence of verse 3. She happened to be in the field belonging to Boaz. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? She just happened. Out of all the fields that she could have gone to, she just happened to go to the field belonging to Elimelech's relative. She just happened to be working in his field. Do you see the sovereign hand of God at work? There's no coincidences under God's watch. Where you work, where you live, where you play, all of it is under God's providence. There's no such thing as a fluke in the kingdom. God does everything with purpose. And what we see happening in the text is God is working through a sweet providence through the most difficult of circumstances. And so in order to keep Naomi and herself from starving to death, Ruth goes out to glean food. But God is working through the smallest of details, even the field that she just so happened, verse 3, to be working in. Hear me today. Whatever difficulty you're facing, whatever challenge or trial that has come upon you, it has not caught God off guard. He is sovereign and he is working and he has ordained it for your good. Now, later on the day, Boaz shows up. And notice his kindness, verse four. He tells the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, the harvesters say. They'll miss the benevolent heart of this man and how he overflows with the love of God, even in his greeting He approaches his employees and just says, the Lord be with you. What a great day. God has provided for us. We're no longer living in a a famine. We're no longer suffering, trying to find food. The Lord bless you. Let's have a great day. I love the benevolence that we see within the heart of this man. 
A man who is loving his employees and is overflowing with kindness. What a great picture of the disposition of Jesus. As one who is benevolent and kind. One who cares for people and speaks well. And then the action picks up, verse five. As Boaz, he spots Ruth in the distance. Whose young woman is this? Verse six, the servant answered. She's the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather fallen grain among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and has been on her feet since early morning, except that she rested a little in the shelter. What we see happening here is we see Ruth as a hard worker. She's been working in the field since the crack of dawn and with only a short break. So now Boaz walks up to Ruth and he says, verse 8, Listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See which field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered the young men not to touch you? When you are thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. Here, Boaz, he's displaying a hospitality. So he invites her, hey, stay close by my female servants. He tells her the water cooler is right over there for break time. Feel free to help yourself. And hey, I've told all the men to keep their hands to themselves. Well, Ruth is is humbled by this, this grace that he is extending to her. So she bows face down to the ground. Notice the posture, verse 10. And she asks him, why? Why are you being so kind? Verse 10, why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? May I say to you, those who are humble are grateful for grace. You see, a mark that you're maturing as a believer is that you are still amazed by grace. Ruth is overwhelmed by the favor that Boaz is showing her. An immigrant of a different race. Question, are you still amazed by the grace that God has extended to you? Are you still blown away over what Christ has done for you through his death on the cross? Are you still amazed by the power of the resurrection that he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you? He too will give life to your mortal bodies. Can you declare and bellow from your heart, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous. How wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Are you amazed by the grace and the favor that God has extended to you through his son? Ruth is. She's amazed that Boaz is showing her favor and he is being so kind to her. She is stunned. So verse 11 Boaz answers her question as why. Look at verse 11. Boaz answered her, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother and your native land and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. 
May the Lord reward you for what you have done and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel, watch this, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Isn't that interesting? She is stunned by this, overwhelmed by his generosity. Ruth is comforted and encouraged. When we get to verse 14 now, we have what appears to be our first date. Ruth here is having this man say to her, verse 14, come here, girl. That's what he says here, verse 14. Come on over here. Come here, girl. He says, have some bread. Dip it in the vinegar sauce. This is so good. Now, Boaz here, he's having a little lunch date. But notice they're chaperones here, okay? It's a group date. Verse 14, she sat beside the harvesters. Okay, so what I envision here is sweaty, dirty workers who are in the hot sun. They're enjoying an afternoon meal. There's sounds of eating and talking and storytelling and laughter. And then just periodically, Boaz and Ruth, they fix their eyes on each other. And then they glance away and their hearts have the butterflies. There's an excitement here. It kind of reminds me of how I asked Christy to go on our first date. All right, picture it. June 2003, I asked her dad, hey, is it okay if I ask your daughter out on a date? Well, he gives me the green light and I was so nervous, my palms were sweating, like profusely. And so we're sitting on a couch in her apartment. She's sitting next to me and I'm doing this continually with my hands. And I just said, hey, would you think about maybe consider, I don't know, you probably wouldn't be interested. This is probably a really bad idea, but would you consider, pray about maybe one day you and I could potentially, I don't know if you'd be interested. I'm talking myself out of it, okay? I'm so nervous. Like, what is she gonna say? It's, would you maybe consider, pray about potentially you and I going on a date? And she hesitated. And I thought, oh no. And she goes, yeah, I'd like that. Well, what's interesting, we kind of see those types of emotions taking here in the text. We see Boaz here, who's taking care of her. Come here, girl. Come get some bread. Dip it in the vinegar sauce. And so what we see happening here is Ruth, she becomes so full from lunch, verse 14, she gets a doggy bag for her extra food and she takes it home to Naomi, which we're gonna see in verse 18. Well, as she is getting up, it's time to go back to work. Lunch break is over. Boaz gives his employees an order, verse 15. When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her, verse 17. So Ruth gathered grain in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gathered and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into the town where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over from her meal and gave it to her. It's been a good day of work. Ruth went out hoping to pick up a few scraps to maybe make a loaf of bread for her and her mother-in-law. And she comes back with her arms full of grain. 
This is a picture of what God has done for us in the gospel. We are all beggars and we come to his field as poor outsiders. We're hoping to become those who pick up crumbs and he gives us a banqueting table. He overwhelms us with his grace. Reminds me of 2 Samuel 9. King David asked the question, is there anyone from the house of Saul that I may show kindness to on behalf of Jonathan? And they said, yes, sir, there's one man, Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was lame in both legs. David says, send for him. So Mephibosheth shows up to King David and he falls down on his face, afraid of what the king might do to him. And King David says, don't be afraid. And then what David goes on to do is to bless his socks off. He says, yeah, your old field, I just bought it back for you and it belongs to you. I'm now gonna make sure that there are workers who are gonna take care of the field for you and you are always going to sit at my table. Wow, what generosity. Where a king calls out a cripple, he calls out a man who has been living in Lodebar, a wasteland, and he invites him to the palace and says, you're gonna sit at my table. I'm gonna take care of you. That's what God has done for you in Jesus. You and I are just like Mephibosheth. We are lame. Spiritually, we are broken. We have issues. We are living in a barren wasteland. And then the king calls us by name and he invites us to the palace and he sets before us a banqueting table. And he says, you will always eat at my table. I am gonna take care of you. I am your king. That's what we see happening here with Boaz. Boaz is treating Ruth and Naomi like princesses. You see, God loves to display his grace to sinners like us. We are spiritually lame and crippled, but God loves to bless his children. God loves to invite us to feast at his table. Ruth started out her day unsure if she's gonna have enough food to eat. She comes home ready to prepare a feast. You can imagine Naomi's faith, uh, face when, when Ruth turns the corner and she's carrying all these groceries. And she asks the question, what field have you been at today? Who is the man who has taken care of you? May the Lord bless that man. Well, what we see here is Ruth puts her sacks down. You can imagine the conversation at the dinner table that night. Ruth tells her, verse 19, the name of the man I worked with today, pause for emphasis, is Boaz. Oh, Boaz. Naomi's like, okay. Like a mother-in-law who's trying to set up her child for a good spouse. You can see Naomi's mind. She's churning here. Okay, that's a good fellow right here. You need to get to know this Boaz. Verse 20, Naomi prays God's blessing upon him. She says here in the text, verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may the Lord bless him. 
because he has not abandoned his kindness to the living or the dead. And Naomi continued, the man is a close relative. He is one of our family redeemers. Hey, oh, this is big. This is monumentous. A family redeemer. A kinsman redeemer. This, is, this man plays a significant role in the life of each Israelite family. Now put this in your notes. A family redeemer is a male relative who is responsible for rescuing family in need. We see it in Leviticus 25 that in case of an Israelite man's death in which he fails to leave behind a son, the brother of the deceased man is to take his brother's widow as his wife and to redeem the land and to provide a son who can carry on the deceased father's name. You see, a family redeemer, a goel, is one who delivers. This is someone who redeems property or a person. This is Boaz's position, verse 20. And Lord willing, as we're going to see next week in chapter 3 and 4, we're going to see Ruth, she's going to call upon Boaz to fulfill his responsibility as the family redeemer. Now, verse 20, this is the apex of the chapter. This is the spike of the football. Now, remember back with verse 1, how the narrator said the fact that Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Elimelech, and he was a prominent man of noble character. Now, this is interesting here. Now we see God's plan coming together here, verse 20. Boaz is the one who will redeem Naomi and Ruth. But Boaz is actually pointing us forward to an even greater redeemer. There is another who will one day redeem. You see, Boaz is pointing us forward to Jesus Christ, the ultimate family redeemer who will one day redeem his bride, the church. Jesus is our family redeemer who rescues us and calls us by name. He is the one who cares for us. So what does he do? I want you to see this morning in chapter two that God here has given us four snapshots as, as to what it means to be a family redeemer. We already see Boaz fulfilling this role. How is that true for Jesus and with us? Let me show you these four ways. I want you to see first, having Jesus as your family redeemer means inclusion. It means inclusion. Verse eight, Boaz says to Ruth, don't gather grain in their field. Don't, don't, don't leave this one, but stay here. Boaz is calling upon Ruth to stay close to him, which he says again in verse 14, which he says, come over here. This is an invitation to be included. Here is a godly Jewish man who is inviting this Moabite immigrant, a woman of a different race, to be included in his life. Who does that sound like? You see, Jesus is the greater Boaz, who is the godly Jewish man who invites outcasts and immigrants and people of various races to come and be a part of his life. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, rich or poor, black or white, Democrat or Republican, we see a Savior who includes us. He invites us to come and be a part of himself. 
He invites outcasts like all of us to come and be a part of his family. What we see throughout the New Testament is Jesus continually calls upon people to be included. Come in here. You're invited. In Matthew 11, he says, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In John 6, he says, Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. In fact, this afternoon, go home and read John 14. That chapter is soaking wet of Jesus' promise of his presence with his disciples. Verse three, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. He says in John 14, verse 17, promising the Holy Spirit, he will remain with you and he will be in you. In John 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What we see here is we see Jesus as our family redeemer. It means number one, inclusion. But number two, it means protection. It means protection. Naomi tells her, verse 22, my daughter it is good for you to work with his female servants so that nothing will happen to you in another field. Now, Boaz has already warned the men, verse 9, do not touch her. And he says again in verse 15, do not humiliate her and do not rebuke her. You see, the family redeemer takes responsibility for their relatives. He is responsible for protecting them from any harm that may come their way. But unfortunately, because of the sin that entered into the world through our first parents, Adam and Eve, his sin affects all men. In fact, we all sinned in Adam. Our hearts are bent towards sin. And, the, and the, one of the ways we see this realized in the world around us is how women have been hurt by evil, wicked men. For thousands of years, women have continually been the subject of humiliation, degradation, and assault from men. Well, here we see Boaz. He's stepping up and saying, not on my watch. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to protect you. I want to make sure you are well taken care of. This pictures the type of leadership that God calls upon by all men. Never are men to physically, verbally, emotionally, or sexually abuse or hurt women. In fact, it's the responsibility of men to step up and protect those who are vulnerable in society, especially women. Well, this is what leadership looks like. We commit under God's all-seeing eye. We are those who step in and protect the vulnerable. Well, we see this here in the text. Boaz is committing to Ruth, not on my watch will I let anyone hurt you. I want you to hear me today. Jesus is your ultimate defender. He is your shield. He is the righteous tower you run to and you find shelter and salvation. And what's amazing is because of his death and resurrection, Jesus protects you from sin. He protects you from death. He protects you from hell. He protects you from judgment. He protects you from wrath. Because he took it all at the cross. He's your defender. He's your family redeemer. Thirdly, I want you to see in the text 
He provides provision. Provision. Verse 9, Boaz provides Ruth with water to drink. Verse 14, he provides her with bread and vinegar sauce. Verse 15, he provides her with grain. Verse 16, he provides her with stalks from the bundles. And in verse 17, he provides her with six and a half gallons of barley. Boaz is providing for Ruth the food and the drink that provides for her and her mother-in-law's needs. God is using Boaz as an instrument to provide for the needs of those around him. May I say to you as believers, this is what we do. All of us are instruments of provision. God has given you gifts. He has given you money. He has given you resources, not for your own sake or for your own glory or for the advancement of your own 401k. It goes away when you take your last breath. We leverage our resources for the good of those around us. That's what we see happening here in the text. But ultimately, Boaz, he's pointing these women and he's pointing me and you today to Jesus, who is the bread of life, who will always satisfy. He's pointing us to Jesus, who is the fountain of living water in which we will never go thirsty again. Fourthly, having Jesus as your family redeemer means salvation. It means salvation. In verse 11, we see where Ruth asks Boaz, why are you showing me favor? And he points her to her works that come from faith. That always comes that way. The works come from faith. Verse 11, everything you've done, caring for Naomi, leaving your mother and father, leaving your homeland, coming to people you've never met before. Verse 12, may the Lord reward you for what you have done, your work. Watch this, and receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. You see, Jesus is your redeemer who has saved you. And by faith, you have come under his wings. By faith, you have been saved. And it's proven through the works that you go and live out. That's what's happening here. He's saying, this is the why. Look at all you've done because you've been under the wings of Lord God. Not Elohim, the general name of God, but Jehovah, Yahweh, the covenant, personal God who knows you and loves you. This is who you have come to. What's amazing here is Boaz just keeps telling Ruth, stay close to me and stay close to my people. May I say to you today, that's what Christ is calling us to today. The impact point, stay close to Jesus and his people. Look at how the chapter concludes in verse 23. Ruth stayed close to Boaz's female servants and gathered grain until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Stay close. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to his people. When you start to wonder, you're in danger. When you don't make gathering with God's people a priority, don't be surprised that your faith becomes weak. You need to be here every week. Not for the sake of padding stats or getting numbers. It's because your soul needs it. Make it a conviction as a family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be here every week unless we are providentially hindered because our souls need it. What we see here is the need to stay close to Jesus and his people. Just as Ruth stayed close to Boaz and his people, so too must you stay close to Jesus and his people. 
You see, through the gospel, God has adopted you. He's called you his own. And because of him, you're protected, you're provided for, you're included, and you have salvation. All because Jesus Christ is your family redeemer.